Hey friends, I am Karamo, television host and one of the Fab Five on Netflix's Queer Eye, where it's my job to make over the hearts and minds of the individuals we help. And I'm also the host of the Luminary original, Karamo, the podcast. This month, Luminary is continuing to amplify black voices by shining a spotlight on some of their favorite episodes. And I am so excited to have some of my episodes be featured. Now on this episode, I will be talking about holding on to a bigger version of yourself which is a tenet that has guided my guest Soledad O'Brien through countless life experiences. The award-winning journalist and host of the Luminary original Murder on the Towpath shares stories from her career, lessons from family and friends, and beliefs that inform her work and her identity. Plus, I'm going to explore the question with a listener, can you change someone's opinion of you when they only see you for your past mistakes? But before we start the episode, I want to remind you, you can listen to more of me and lots of other great shows by going to luminary.link slash black voices. Again, that's luminary.link slash black voices. But first, let's start talking and growing around the subject of growth with Soledad O'Brien. From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I am your host, Karamo. And on this episode, we are talking about redemption. Now, if you're listening to this, then at some point in your life, you have made a mistake. But most of us acknowledge our mistakes, make amends for our past actions, and then the people in our lives move on. But what about when that's not the case and those who are in your life won't stop bringing up your past? So the question I wanna dive into on this episode is, do you have the right to judge someone on their past and for how long? We all have different feelings on this topic, and so today I'm going to be talking to someone by the name of G who contacted me on social media. He made a mistake in his past, but his family won't let him live it down, and he needs my advice. I got you, G. I know how to handle this. Also, I'll be talking to former CNN anchor and documentarian Soledad O'Brien, who is going to share her thoughts on judgment and moving forward with your life. And we will be hearing from some of you who called in to share your feelings on this topic. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing, friends. Hey, friends! Thank you so much for being here. No, oh, thank you for having me. Um, so, G, tell me, what was your life growing up like? Well, honestly, contrary to what I'm about to tell you, it was actually quite sheltered. Yeah. You know, when I entered into adulthood, entered society... I had a lot of growing to do. Yeah. I wasn't really comfortable in myself, didn't know how to handle my anger, yeah. had a, a number of insecurities. And as I started to grow and develop who I was, I used a few things to help me get there, alcohol, a few things on the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I, you know, I was coping with my own insecurities and what I did not know about myself then and how to deal with pressure within my family and then also, like, issues with being successful because I was young. I didn't, I didn't really have much, you know, I was still coming up and finding my way. Yeah. But you know, alcohol and other things helped me deal with that. You were dealing with your own issues and things that had been going on for a very long time. Correct. Like failing my family or expectations I had set for myself. Yeah. I set some really high goals for myself. I did not meet those goals because you know, your friends, your family, they're rooting for you. They want you to do well. Yeah. And when you fall below the bar, it impacts you. Yeah. deeply on the inside and the way that it came out wasn't a good way got into a altercation with a family member over this yeah it was basically um family gathering drinking right and yeah. uh, you know we tend to hold our judgment on the inside 
day-to-day interactions, but you know, sometimes you get a little liquid courage (laughs) (laughs) and you say things that you don't really want to say. And this was an issue where I had a close family member remind me of the failures that I had failing school and, you know, the trouble I'd gotten into with substances. They really meant it from a good spot, but I just didn't receive it that way. Yeah. And it led to an altercation, a physical altercation that ended up with the, uh, authorities being involved. I know you just sort of defended the person who was sharing with you and bringing up your past. Mm -hmm. And I want to always make sure that people understand that when people are communicating the things that they feel are your limitations or your, your downfalls in life, there's a way to communicate that where it's not triggering or belittling. No one deserves to have that conversation brought up. Or relived relived when you're trying to do your best. When you're trying to do your best. Mm -hmm. And also when you're in a space that you didn't ask for that type of communication. And I think we need to get to a space as a culture where we understand that you don't have the right to speak on everyone's life. Just because you have an opinion doesn't make it valid and doesn't make it necessary for you to speak it to someone else. Even if it's well-intentioned. Even if it's Mm well-intentioned. Yes, you were going through your struggles, Mm -hmm. Who knows what would have happened if someone did not just start sharing their point of view when you didn't ask for it. Right. So now you get into an altercation Mm -hmm. and it gets physical. Well, it was a family gathering, like I said, and it was actually an uncle of mine who had great hopes for me. And from a point of wanting to give me advice, I was not in the right state of mind because, of course, I had a few beers. Yeah. One thing led to the next. There were blows. What was it like for you in that moment when you got arrested <laughs> that's an interesting question because in the moment you know adrenaline is running yeah in in that moment in the back of the police car i mean you do have a moment to kind of reflect on what you've just done i mean the anger is still surging through you but then just to look at your family aunties cousins there's people you know little children that i might see years from now and their one memory of me is going to be i was that one dude in the family (laughs) that does something yeah yeah, makes sense exactly so it's it's, it's, even though your emotions are high it's also felt with reflection Mm. and regret simultaneously i mean you're you're going through these back and forth like a swing yeah you're angry and then you're regretful and then it's like a pendulum yeah so now it, you have served your time how are you feeling emotionally do you feel like you've come to amends with like that past because it sounds like you're at a place now where you're like I'm doing better and doing good. Yeah, I'm doing better. Initially, there were uh, a lot of the pitfalls that come with going uh, dealing with uh, the legal system, lawyering, you know, repairing relationships with family. Yeah. You know, at, at the time I was not doing well and I had to go get counsel. So that costs money. That only further exacerbates the problem. Yeah. I was able to ultimately find my way, but in finding my way professionally, I still had not reconciled things with my family. Yeah. So when you walk into a room with your family, majority of them still see you as that violent person or that person. Who has close issues. family, no, but we still have a family from other states. When you do get with them, we don't have the connectivity that we had when we were kids. Yeah. We're older now, so there's some distance, and in that distance, there's always the past that looms over. Like what? What is he doing now? Like so socially, there's some things that are just heavily stigmatized, and once you divulge, it could be friends, it could be family, it could be a lover that you were involved in these things it makes you kind of like, okay, well, can I trust this person? You know, drugs are very taboo. Yeah. Alcoholism is taboo. Yeah. You have gotten to a place where you're feeling better, but everyone else is still holding you to this measure of who you were before. Right. Do you think you deserve to be forgiven? I truly believe that I deserve forgiveness. I'm a different person now. I've grown. 
the circumstances I was under then that led me to be this person yeah. are no longer a factor. Those things are gone. Mm. You're still walking on eggshells around people because they don't forgive you, mm. but you feel like you deserve forgiveness. We all have past situations that emotionally bubble up, and then any of us are capable at some point of having an emotional, verbal, physical outburst that other people are going to deem as crazy or deem as wild. What you experienced was not just because of drugs and alcohol. It was before that. It was the expectations you put on yourself that really you didn't put on yourself. Someone else put on you. Mm -hmm. You had someone else putting their fears and their hopes, their dreams onto you. That type of pressure on a young person, especially when they don't have an outlet to release it, they start to internalize, it bubbles up, it goes into every part of your life, and then you find yourself in a space where now I'm doing things to cope with this history of pressure that was put on me that I don't know how to deal with. And so what I would love for you to do and encourage you to do is find someone in the family who is willing to actually, first of all, say, I forgive you. Because I think we need to call a spade a spade. You need someone who can say, I forgive you those words point blank because I asked you if you think you deserve forgiveness and you said yes. So that means what you need to be hearing from people is I am forgiven. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the first step to help you to feel as if you can feel comfortable in these spaces. But secondly, at some point, you're going to have to say to yourself, I forgive myself. A lot of times external forgiveness helps us to get to the place where we can forgive ourselves first. So once you have that where you're getting forgiveness from other people, you then have to say, I forgive myself. And what you have to forgive yourself for is the pressures you put on yourself as a kid. That's the first thing. Right. And the pressures I'm putting on myself now to reconcile this. There you go. There's all this pressure has to be released and you have to forgive yourself for it. I think that will help you to get to a place where you feel better and things are going good. And I think what I appreciate about you coming in today is it really helps people to understand that we have to stop doing this sort of metric system in our minds of when people get to be forgiven and when they don't. Because at the end of the day, if someone has shown you that they have changed, that's where forgiveness should start and end. I wonder how do I get someone to open up themselves? I can open up myself, but yeah. to get them to open up and accept me as a changed person. It's going to be a journey. If people can't recognize your growth, that's not your issue. It's their issue. It's not saying that it doesn't affect you and that you don't want to like ugh, stop and everything else. But it's part of the steps to get there. It's part of it's the part steps of the you got to get there. Right. I've heard before someone saying, I'm going to probably misquote this, but it was something along the lines of if the sun decides not to shine today, doesn't mean that a flower is not going to stop trying to reach for the sky. Mm, and okay. I think that's a really good analogy of understanding that like, Hey, some days it's going to be cloudy, but if I'm really trying to grow, I got to just keep on trying to push. Mm -hmm. I got to keep on trying to get myself out there. And that's for you the same thing. Good, my brother? Yeah, I feel good. Listen, I really appreciate you being here and being open because I think this is going to help people to really understand and check in with themselves about how they're communicating and forgiving people in their lives. So thank you for being open. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> good? <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone necessarily deserves forgiveness because it's all on a case-by-case -case basis. However, I am a strong believer in your actions will speak louder than your words. So if you're able to prove yourself and prove that you have learned from the situation and you are willing to hear people out and try to change your ways, I think that anyone can be forgiven. 
I believe so. It has to do a lot too if it's a one-time thing. I think they definitely do deserve forgiveness. If it becomes a pattern and it's happening over and over again and you've already communicated with that person that they shouldn't be doing that or they shouldn't be you know, following those footsteps, then maybe they don't deserve forgiveness and they need to learn from their mistakes. All right, so friends, I am very excited about my next guest. She is a journalist, former co-anchor at CNN. She is a Peabody winner, she is an Emmy winner, and she is someone who always makes sure the experiences and voices of black and Latino people are part of the conversation. Everyone, please give it up for the brilliant and gorgeous Soledad O'Brien. Hi, Soledad. More, more, don't stop. I mean, beyond brilliant and gorgeous. Where else were we gonna go with that? I love it. Well, it's the truth. You, <laughs> oh. Listen, I'm all about speaking the truth. I love it, I love it. So thank you so much for being on my show today. As I told you in our little pre-interview, this is all about really you know, inspiring people, helping them to be educated, giving them new perspectives. And that's what you do so well in your life. And I remember in an interview, you said that when your parents were younger, that someone spit on them. And your mom said to you, I know America is better than that. Yeah. Would you consider her actions forgiveness or grace and why? You know, my mother was such a tough nut that like if you didn't make your bed, you'd be grounded forever. So the idea that <laughs> she could be that person. But then on the other hand, this idea that in the macro, that the only way to think about living your life right? Someone's going to spit on you. And this was in Baltimore in the early 1960s when interracial marriage was illegal in Maryland and 16 other states. I think it was a sort of a sense of grace for yourself, right? Like the only way to manage going through life is not to worry about those people spitting on you. You have to have a bigger vision for why you as a foreigner came to this country why you as a human being decided to have children in a country that didn't even approve of your marriage legally at all. So I think it was a sense for her of like the bigger picture has to be there's a direction we're going. Well, what a beautiful lesson in that that I think people should take away from having a bigger vision for yourself than what you're experiencing in that moment. And I think that's one of the steps that I would always suggest to someone who is experiencing some type of trauma, that yes, your feelings are valid, they need to be validated, um, you need to be surrounded by people who love you and support you in finding that, but when there is something that is causing you some type of distress that you feel like is gonna knock you down and take you back, you have to hold tight to that bigger vision for yourself because in that bigger vision, you find inner peace. You realize that this moment won't last forever. Is there moments in your life where you had to say to, to yourself, this is really hard and I don't know if I can deal with this, but I know there's a bigger vision for me. I'll tell you a great story. There was a guy when I started working at WBZ TV in Boston, that was my first job. And I was a production assistant. So I got coffee and I ran scripts and I removed staples from bulletin boards kind of entry-level stuff. Yeah, the hustle. The hustle, exactly. And getting paid dusting for the hustle. And I remember yeah. we did the morning show and then we do the time after the Today Show. So we would run from the show to the morning meeting, right? So we finish our local show. And I would come in, of course, late to the morning meeting because I'd just gotten out of the studio, literally as a script runner or whatever. And this guy used to say to me all the time, oh, Soledad's on colored people's time. And just like a create, I mean, just completely inappropriate and also just bizarre. Like I was just yeah. coming off the set. It wasn't like I was, you know, 
Anyway, yeah, I was so mad. I was so furious. I literally for years would hold a grudge against this guy. Mm -hmm. And one day I left that station to go to NBC News to start working at the network as an associate producer and then producer. And I never saw him again. I have never come across him again as long as I lived. And my message for young women was like, oh, my gosh, let it go. I spent so much time worrying about John Simmons. <laughs> I've never seen him again in the now 31 years. I've never seen him again. Yeah. And like, I would sit home and think about sassy comebacks. If he says this, I'll say that. And I'll try to sprint out of the room and get there before he gets there and this and that. And you realize like, wow, what a freaking waste of my time. Yeah. I could have been working on my career and all this other stuff. And he never mattered. Yeah. He literally never mattered again. And so I think my parents' vision was like that. That person spitting on you in the big picture really doesn't matter. Where are you going? Yeah. And if you stop to deal with all these little distractions, what you're going to find is that five years down the road, you've been mired in distractions and you haven't gotten halfway to the place you were going. And everybody else who was focused on where they're going got where they're going. And I think that's really good advice about like the vision. Are you mired in distractions? That is such a great lesson for everyone to take and understand. Of course, it is important to report inappropriate or harmful behavior at work. Like when someone is saying you're on CP time, which means color time. And if you don't know, it's a hurtful stereotype, which means people of color are always late. You're a woman who walks the walk and talks the talk. You left CNN because the president that came into the network at the time requested, and I'm going to you know, share the quote you had said, for you to stop publicly speaking about young black men and police brutality. So where did you find the courage to stay true to who you are, especially when your livelihood was being challenged? Because I think that's what stops a lot of people from making the right decisions for themselves. You know, for the first many years, I really didn't. He said that to me when we started doing the documentary series, Black in America. It was this, it was actually the head of CNN worldwide. Mm. And we were at an event, uh, like a promoting the doc series. And someone said, what did you learn from doing Black in America? And I said, you know, no matter what social stratus you're talking about, whether it's people in poverty, middle-class Black people, or very wealthy Black people, of which we had all in our documentary series, when you ask them about policing, especially, particularly of young black men, it's like everybody's reading off a script. When my son turned 13, <laughs> I told him, if you are stopped by the police, this is what you need to do. I just thought it was really this interesting thing where people could be in completely different worlds, if you will. But when it came to policing, their experiences were almost identical. And when I came off the set, the head of CNN Worldwide said, um, so that's just not true, which was such a weird thing because I spent 18 months working on this yeah. doc, right? So like, like, actually, uh, I've been <laughs> reporting this. And I was like, what? And he said, it's not true. White people tell their kids the same thing. And I was like, actually, I don't think they do. I think for white people, it's much more of a, don't be a jerk if you're stopped by the cops. For black people, it's these words are going to save your life. Yeah. And he just didn't see it. And he said to me, stop telling that story. And so I, I wasn't brave at all. I did. I kept my mouth shut. I literally stopped telling that story. And I think what ends up happening over time, so the time that I decided to leave was many years later when I was like, I think that there are many more interesting stories to tell and things to do. But one day I just decided on Twitter, like, oh, I'm going to tell this story. People don't know it. He had left being the head of CNN worldwide. And we had a new president at the time who 
same thing, kind of had a vision of what he saw that I could do. And listen, I, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm the bee's knees or something, but I think like I have some talents and I have some abilities and I don't want to work in a place where somebody doesn't see a future for me. The person who I spoke to right before you got on the line, the challenge they're going through is that they've been in a space where they had issues before in the past and now their family or friends now are still judging them based on that and still believe that's the person they are, even though they have grown. How do you change someone's opinion who is based on an old version of who you are? This is such an interesting question because I'm asked this a lot around journalism. People will say, you know, people don't trust journalists anymore. What can journalists do to get people to trust them? And I think it's the exact same answer for this person, which is you can't really talk about being trustworthy. You just have to be trustworthy, right? And so a lot of it is saying, you know, listen, I understand. And so I'm just going to be here. Or if I'm going to be running late, I'm going to text you. If you're a journalist, you just have to serve the community. And people then look up and say, oh, my God, she's been doing this for such a long time. We trust her. Yeah. But you can't run around and say, I, I love people and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. No one trusts you. It's, it's, it's just doing the work. Yeah. And I think you get a lot of points when you kind of keep your mouth shut and just show up. Yeah. I've had friends who you know, will talk a good game, but at the end of the day, they don't show up on time. They don't pick you up from the airport. They don't, they're just unreliable. There's nothing they could tell me. All they could do is just be reliable. And that's just putting the time in. So in a way, it's kind of simple. And it's all in that person's hands, right? Just do what you say you're going to do. If you've been known as a liar, be that person who tells the truth. If you've been known as a person who steals from people or is dishonest, be that person who's now honest and is is absolutely has Im impeccable uh, values. If you're the kind of person who's a bullshitter, be that person who's like, I will no longer be a bullshitter. You know, I think it's just doing it. And then one day, five years, it's a long ass time. Somebody looks up and says, oh my God, you are the most reliable friend I have. Yeah. Because you put the work in. Yeah. Taking the time to be patient with yourself, trying to just continue to do the actions because actions do speak louder than words is really the process of really helping people to see your growth because unfortunately people will think what they want to think and you just have to continue on and living your life. It's, it's so correct. Has there ever been a moment in your life personally, not just professionally, where people have had the wrong opinion of you and how did that make you feel? Yeah, I think a lot of times, I, you know, when we did our doc series, Black in America, we did one called Latino in America. You know, I, I, I remember thinking that it, we did these docs so rarely about communities of color that it felt like the stakes were very high. First of all, if they didn't do well, like ratings wise, it would just never happen again. And so I felt like it has to be really good journalism. It has to be beautiful. It has to be great. And so, yeah, I was absolutely very tough on people in terms of just like, I want the quality to be good. And by the way, I hold myself to that same standard. There is just no half-assing it. You can't do it. And often I think when it comes to quote unquote diversity projects, people sort of feel like, eh, you know, it doesn't matter. And I just don't play that game. Everything we're doing, we want to win. I have a best friend who's just amazing. She's actually out in LA near where you are. And she used to say to me, she was my producer on the CNN morning show. And sometimes someone would say, hey, do you want to, you know, we need Anderson's traveling. Can you fill in for Anderson? And often people would leave their own show to go do somebody else's show. And she's like, oh, 
if you do that, you realize what you're saying is that his show is more important than yours. Mm. He's like, you will do both shows. You know, you're happy to help out. So you'll do your show because that's your job and you're happy to do it. And then you'll do his show as a favor because they need somebody. But when you don't do your own thing, you're sending a message to everybody about the value of your own show, mm. that his show mm. is more valuable than your show. Yeah. She was just such a great, and she continues to be, uh, such a great friend in terms of really thinking about how you have to think about your value. And by the way, my show was at 7 o'clock in the morning. Anderson's show was at 7 p.m. So it meant a really long day. But I took her point, which was, this is not about filling in. This is about what's your value. Mm. And so I've always tried to hold the people that I was you know, working with. I don't care if this is a one-minute piece, a five-minute piece, a six-part documentary. It has to be good. Like, all the, everything we touch is good. Everyone's going to say about us, woof. Well, that was good. Other people can construe that as you being fill in the blank. A pain in the ass. Bitch. Yeah. Oh, difficult. A hundred percent. You know, any of these things. Is that what people were experiencing from you that was hard for you to see? Because it was like, that's not who I am. I'm I'm taking just valuing me and loving me and trying to create the best thing. I don't know that it was hard for me. I think I was okay with that description. If being a bitch is making sure we're delivering something high quality, I can a hundred percent live with that. Yeah. And certainly better than the alternative, which is, oh, my God, Soledad is so nice. I mean, a lot of her stuff is crap, but, but boy, she's a really nice person. We did this documentary, Latino in America. Oh, my gosh. We had 20 people in a room, which was going to be the team working on this doc. I had picked none of them. Me and my producer, Rose, who still works me, with me today, uh, were the only two Latinos on the team. And we got in a discussion, generally, the group, about we're Puerto Ricans, Americans. And it would matter because it's either 48 million Americans or 51 million Americans, right? Because the number of Puerto Ricans. Yeah. And I remember being like, we can just Google this. Like, I can't believe this is now a conversation going into its 10th minute. <laughs> and I stopped it down. I left that meeting. I went to my boss and said, I will not do this with this team. We will not do. And, and the producer laid out, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. He was going to do a segment on... I was going to go to Soledad, California and do something about, and I'm like this, we do one hour on Latinos. We sure as hell aren't doing my stupid little story about my name and like, what? This is important. Yeah. And I literally left that meeting, went to the boss and said, I won't do it. I won't. And I pitched not a temper tantrum, which wasn't really my style, but definitely a not going to do it. It is not going to happen. And if you want me yeah. to do it, then here's what we need. And they changed it. We got a new team and we did a great doc series. But yes, yeah. I think there are certainly people who- You were firm, you were firm in your conviction. And listen, and if you were interviewing I, them, they would say, they would be, uh, they, if you were interviewing right now, they'd be like, that bitch, she <laughs> blew apart. And they would, <laughs> and they wouldn't be wrong. And I'm okay with that. So sometimes I think the better answer yeah. is, okay, yes, I am definitely focused on high quality. And if you want to be on a team, where the quality is high, I am your person. If you want to be on a team where anything goes and nobody cares, then probably we're not going to be a good fit. And that's okay too. Well, it's what you said. What's the alternative? And I think that's also a really great way of people to self-evaluate in the moment of saying, okay, 
yes, they might be calling me this name, but this name is based off the fact that I'm trying to get quality, that I'm trying to do better. And what's the alternative? Would I prefer them say that I'm lazy? Would I prefer them say? And I think that's a really great perspective because it helps you find your own personal balance. And that's what everyone has to do. They have to find their own personal balance in life so that they can go on their journey to success and succeeding. Soledad, I have to just tell you right now, I appreciate you so much. This conversation, I've had chills the entire time because you're just so smart and so transparent and so real. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, it's my pleasure. I love it. Thank you for the documentaries, Black in America, Latino America. Everyone, please, if you do not know, you should go to watch Soledad's show, Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien. It is an amazing online magazine show. I watch it personally, and I think it's really great. And then also all the other documentaries you have coming out. I know that you had Hungry to Learn last year, and do you have something new coming out this year? Yeah, we're actually embedded right now with the Department of Health in Seattle uh, and about to launch our doc about coronavirus in Seattle, the first hotspot wow. uh, in America. So that'll happen on unhearsed stations in prime time probably mid-May. Wow, that's amazing. I can't wait to watch that. Again, Soledad, you are an American treasure. You are a human treasure. So thank you so much for all that you do. Oh, thank you for having me. I think that there are some things that are unforgivable. I mean, if someone was to go harm my family, I don't think that I would ever forgive them. So to me... Yes, there are some things that are unforgivable. So I'm the type of person who really believes in forgiveness kind of overall. If a person has done something really bad, I believe deep down that everyone is in some small way redeemable. I know that's kind of hard because there are so many different things and if it's on a personal level, it's going to be harder, obviously, to forgive. But I do believe that forgiveness is a very important thing for you personally and for us as people, as humans. Friends, what an amazing conversation. I want to thank G for sharing his story. I want to thank all of you who called in and shared your feelings. And I especially want to thank Soledad for being so open about her journey and for sharing a clear perspective on this delicate topic. Listen, friends, what I know to be true is that no one is perfect, not me, not you. And it's very hurtful when those who we love can't see our growth. But what we have to understand is that we can't control others' opinions of us, no matter how much we want to. All we can do is continue to be the best version of ourselves and pray that those we love will see us for who we are. But if the judgment is truly affecting your way of life, this is what I suggest. Get a third and neutral party to help facilitate a conversation between you and the person who is not acknowledging your growth, who won't let go of your past. Talk it out. Be open to hearing their point of view, but also be ready to set clear boundaries if they're not ready to hear and see your growth. Because sometimes people won't see your growth, but you have to control your own actions and protect yourself. And sometimes that means setting new boundaries for that relationship. Friends, as always, thank you for listening and growing with me. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Karamo to let me know your feelings about today's episode. Till next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. 
all music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. Friends, listen, I can listen to Soledad O'Brien all the time. She is so wise and funny. Listen, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, join me over on Luminary where you can hear more seasons of my show and more Soledad. Just visit luminary.link slash black voices. Again, that's luminary.link slash black voices. And as always, thank you for talking and growing with me, friends.